Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon hits theaters, so we have a spoiler-free review and a very spoiler-filled conversation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 284 of Real Blend, a podcast that you can listen to three times and still not be done with Killers of the Flower Moon. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. On this week's show, Marty Scorsese is back in theaters on the big screen with Killers of the Flower Moon, an adaptation of a book that every time I mention this movie to somebody, they're all like, oh, I read the book. It was amazing. Like, I didn't realize that. I know the book was popular and I knew it was well received, but like legitimately everyone that I've talked to is like, oh, my God, I read that book. It's incredible. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, We're going to have a spoiler free review for Killers of the Flower Moon. And then we're going to get into a spoiler section where we're going to get into some of the things um, that potentially elevated the film uh, in the eyes of the hosts um, or maybe pulled it down. Uh, We'll see where that conversation goes. So stay tuned. Uh, In the meantime, let me introduce the guys to this week's episode, starting with my good friend, Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kev, the Foo Fighters are going to be playing on Saturday Night Live. Did you see that? I did see that. But more importantly, the day this episode comes out, Sean and I uh, are very excited about a very particular release that's happening on this day that you're listening to this. Yes. Uh, if you're a Blink-182 fan, uh, the new album apparently is out as we're talking. And I know Sean and I will, as you're listening to this, Sean and I are probably texting about Anthem Part 3 already and <laughs> figuring out, you know, where that where that plays into the to the scope of their music. But I'm so excited. And uh, Sean may have a special interview coming up if it happens. Uh, if it from yeah so uh yeah big big week uh new scorsese and new uh blink 182 i mean we're living in good times and we are, in, you know, we are good times well. from, a, from a music and a film perspective yeah yes as the as the kids like to say we're eating well uh jake hamilton confirms that it's hat day today and, it is hat uh, day. yeah <laughs> i didn't get the message unfortunately uh jake hamilton's a fox 32 in chicago hello there handsome how are you you're doing well buddy i love your shirt Thank For those you of you much. watching on YouTube, you always get treated to all the amazing shirts that Sean's wearing. 
I think this is Sean's second Black Panther. What is going on again (laughs) with the balloons? Maybe it's when I do this. Is it? It is. No, there it is. Okay, cool. Look at that. When I do the peace sign. At the break, Um, we'll we'll work to turn that off. I forgot we we didn't do that. That's really funny. This is Sean's second week, I believe, back to back wearing a Black Panther shirt. I oh, think that might be one, right. I think you wore a Marvel one last week. I do have that, that one. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, I'm celebrating yeah. the release of that new MCU book, which I just got a copy of today. And I'm oh, really cool. Looking forward uh, yeah, to I want to read diving that. into. Yeah, it's massive. It's like a 500 page tome. So I'm really excited to to pick away at it. Um, Jake, my opening joke was going to be uh, a podcast that got Martin Scorsese. Well, one of us did. Yeah. <laughs> And then I thought that was a little bit too mean. Uh, Gabe Kovach <laughs> is sitting in the producer's chair. Hello, Gabe. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. Good. It's good to see you. Good to see you a guys. A rare as well occasion too. where all four of us—I feel like lately it's been rare—all four of us have seen the movie of the week this week. Yeah, that's Ooh, good. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Gabe got to see it before me. That made me a little bit upset. Yeah, I texted him all the spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much power. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> Leo's mean. You now you just wait until Sean sees trolls before you. You are so screwed. Oh, do you know what I am seeing? So I'm going to Savannah this weekend for the film festival, and I get to see Zone of Interest. Oh, um, I'm seeing uh, something that tonight, which I'm not. Uh, I, I don't want to say not looking forward to, but like it's heavy. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's it's um it's but it's I a like combination. Oh yeah, I mean, but it's a combination of, and this is me being spoiled. It's a theater across town. That I have to Uber to that I never uh, it's at eight, which is a little bit later than these screenings normally are. Right. Right. And the subject matter. It is a trifecta of but I'm interviewing the um, the lead actor tomorrow. Um, it's just it's just one of those like I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I'm just not looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I understand that. And it's so true. We are like creatures of habit, like a seven o'clock movie is is perfect. But sure. if it's seven thirty, I start to be like, mm, yeah, what do we yeah. And well, dude, like, and also, yeah, like seven and granted, I'm very spoiled that a majority of my screenings, the main theater where they do press screenings is two blocks from my apartment. So I'm yeah. incredibly spoiled. So a seven o'clock screening two blocks from my apartment is amazing. Eight o'clock across town. It, it literally makes me go, oh, do I want to go? Sometimes Kev has to drive an hour. To I, get know, to a I, I really should yeah. stop complaining. Yeah, well, Washington. I, I was awful. I was happy that my Killers of the Flower Moon screening was at six thirty. I was like, they're they're creeping a little more yeah. on the earlier. Well, especially side because you and I have morning shows. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. And, and luckily, I think you know, as is the case with my reps and hopefully yours, they tend to be very aware of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. of our morning show yeah. situation. All right, let's get the show back on the road with some housekeeping. If you are watching us on YouTube, hello. Thank you very much for joining us. Go down, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications on Friday when the new episodes drop. You guys will be the first ones to hear about it. And you can let us know in the comments down below uh, where y'all are listening to. I have been reading everybody's comments telling us uh, how they listen to the show, where they listen to the audio, how they listen in their car, um, on different uh, apps. Some people coming over to the YouTube channel for the very first time to check us out. So I found that to be really, really cool. It's a YouTube.com backslash real blend podcast and first off we appreciate you guys in whatever format that you listen to us we just love you guys coming back here every single week to listen to us yammer of course we're available all different places you get your podcast needs met and if you're available uh or interested i'm sorry in real blend premium you get an ad-free version of the show and a newsletter from me this is newsletter week so i'll have something interesting for you guys to to read in your inboxes so check the description for information on where you can sign up all right so when a master like Martin Scorsese 
puts a new movie out. We dedicated an entire episode to it. Uh, and Killers of the Flower Moon is coming to theaters for. Does anybody know when it's going to Apple? Like how long? Yeah, I don't think they released it. Yeah, I think announced. I think smartly they haven't announced it. I think that's I think that's a good. Well, I think that's a good tactic because if it comes out October twentieth, but we know that the streaming date is December first, then I think there are too many audience members who go ah, it's it's three and a half hours, and I know it starts streaming on December first. I Indeed. think right. I think you go full theatrical first. This is this this question actually made me think. Is this actually a great thing for an awards type play where put it in theaters and then whenever you need awards buzz. Sure. Put it out in January or February, you know, like, yeah, the it's, of the the, year it's the equivalent of they they always used to talk about, like, if your movie happened to come out on DVD during award exactly. season, I mean, perfect, that's, yeah. you know, yeah, that's it's the equivalent. It's kind of it's the cinematic equivalent of having your cake and eating it, too. You get that mm-hmm. recent bias of coming out in theaters, but also right as that buzz dies down. Oh, boom. By the way, we're available to stream at home. So Scorsese has been trying to tell this story for a really long time. Um, and I don't know when the book came out, but, um, it's a historical piece. Uh, it's set in the, when is it? 1920s? 19. I think that's where it starts. Yeah. It's it's a pretty, it's a pretty wide span of time, but, but it's safe to say early 20th century. Early. Okay. And, um, it takes place in Oklahoma, um, on the territory of, um, the Osage, um, Native American community. And at this time they discover, on their land uh, that underneath their land is a significant amount of oil, which, as you learn in the title cards, uh, setting the story up, makes the Osage community the wealthiest uh, per capita Americans uh, at the time. They just had a staggering amount of wealth. And um, there's a lot of story to chew on uh, over the course of the telling of Killers of the Flower Moon. So we're going to get into a spoiler free uh, review first so we can talk a little bit at length uh, and set you guys up knowing that coming out on Friday most people probably haven't had a chance to go see it yet uh, and so uh, we will let you know when we start to get into specifics and spoilers uh, in terms of that conversation um, Kev I want you to start because uh, you I, I know Jake loves Scorsese but it seems like when Scorsese works with DiCaprio those tend to be some of your favorite uh, collaborations. I know you talk about the aviator, huge fan of Wolf of Wall Street. Um, mm. Where do you put this in terms of like their collaborations and what do you think he gets out of Leo uh, this time that maybe is a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, listen, like, I, one of the cool things about this film is it, there's a legacy aspect to it in terms of just from a pure filmmaking standpoint, the concept of the, the years that he spent with De Niro, what, what, 50 plus years now. And then you go into the relationship he has with DiCaprio, you know, as you mentioned, with the aviator and Wolf and Gangs in New York. Um, weirdly enough, yeah, as you mentioned, it's something about his later films have, have just hit me a little differently. I know DiCaprio is not in Hugo, but. Hugo to me is it's just a film that I feel like he was meant to make. Um, it just it's, it's 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 his love letter to cinema. And that word that phrase is used a lot. But I just love that movie. But in, going back to the DiCaprio relationship, I think Aviator is a highly underrated film. Um, I, I mean, I, I underrated, I guess, the term because it did get a lot of critical uh, acclaim and people did talk about it. I just don't think it comes up a lot in discussion about his filmography. A lot of it's mm-hmm. Goodfellas and Raging Bull and, and Mean Streets. And, you know, of course, and Taxi Driver, Casino. Uh, those are the ones that people think about the most. And then there's the ones that are, I think, a little bit more of the outliers, like the Hugos and the Silence and things like that. Aviator was had had its due, though. It, it, it did well and it was really well received. Um, 
This movie, uh, what I love about this film is the silence that it sits in. Um, this is a movie that is fully aware that it, it gives itself time to breathe. Um, there's a lot of just stillness in this movie that I think is powerful. Um, and a, a master filmmaker like Scorsese has the ability to entertain in stillness in a way that is emotionally deep and um, really, really harrowing and very interesting uh, to watch in terms of performance and cinematography. Um, this is a story that, like, like Sean and I discussed on text, this could have been a great miniseries. It's, it, it, you, you do feel the length of this. And it's interesting because, and again, I'm not trying to make comparisons to Oppenheimer. We're just talking pri- primarily pacing and, and movement and how a film feels. You know, I saw Oppenheimer eight times. It feels like it's a 45 minute long film. You feel the three and a half hours of Killers of the Flower Moon. How long is Oppenheimer? Is it 240? It's three. It's three. Okay, so you're adding another 40 to 27 minutes. minutes. 27 minutes. 27 minutes? It's three hours and 27 minutes or so. Um, And so you do feel it. But I think the pacing is earned. Um, Is it a film that I would want to sit down and watch over and over again? No, not necessarily. But that doesn't necessarily mean the movie isn't great. I mean, there's a lot of films that I wouldn't want to watch over and over again, like Schindler's List or, you know, like like longer films that deal with very heavy subject matter. Even though Oppenheimer Mm -hmm. does deal with it, there's a musicality to the way that film moves. It's different. uh, I felt Um, one thing I do love about the, the way this movie is designed. There's this recurring I don't even know if it's a bass drum or a bass note that just goes throughout the film. It's almost like the heartbeat of the Osage. I at least that's the way I took it. And there's just this heartbeat of a of a of a of a of a music that aspect to it that really kind of kept the film flowing. And Robbie Robertson, obviously, you know, he passed away recently, an incredible um, composer. Um, but I also want to shout out Rod. So good. Incredible. Score is so good in this movie. And what's and again, it's 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 the subtlety of the score that I think is really great. And he does. And it's interesting, like the way the notes are used and the, and the songs are used in the film. Um, you know, we know Scorsese is very good about in terms of narrative building with music and how he drops needle drops and things like that. But there there's a definitely a difference in this film and its vibe and its score and its music than there is to a lot of his earlier films. Yeah, well, he couldn't um, do like the classic rock needle drops in this. You right. Know? And then like, weirdly just, enough there is some rock music there. Like I think in the beginning, there's almost like this rock ish guitar aspect to it that I thought was fascinating. Great energy to it. Right. But it was, but it, but it, but it was not the music that I would have thought would be there, but it, but it works perfectly. Um, I also want to shout out Rodrigo Prieto. Um, Dude shot Barbie and this and they could not look more different. And a lot of this film was shot on 35 millimeter. It looks incredible. There's a lot of aspect ratio changes, which are really interesting in terms of the narrative aspect of the storytelling performance wise. And then I'll let um, and then I'll let you guys jump in as well. De Niro and DiCaprio and Gladstone are obviously phenomenal. All three of them are incredible. They all carry their own weight. They're brilliant in the film. Going back to my first point about the stillness. What's great about this film is watching these massive heavy hitting actors just have dialogue in complete silence, just talking to each other, like a scene with De Niro and, and, and DiCaprio just sitting down and talking for five to six minutes is so engaging and so interesting because the performances are so great. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot surrounding this film in terms of the conversation, the point of view that this film is presenting. And I think everybody should read up on the different sides of opinions in terms of how this film is being viewed, how it how it feels to the Osage um, and how it feels, you know, from that perspective as well. So I think everything is valid. Everybody needs to have their own perspective on it um, as a 
person who just watched the movie and did not read the book and didn't know a ton about the story going in. Um, I thought it's a really it's a really well made film. But I also understand the criticisms about the the point of view aspect of it, maybe giving a little more. Uh, point of view to the Osage in the film rather than the DiCaprio character. But it is a really fascinating movie. Um, and it's it, it's it's again, I do think it's a miniseries type of film. I, I would love to have seen this stretched out more more yeah. on the FBI aspect of it. Um, but performance wise and filmmaking wise score cinematography, it's 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 incredible. It's an incredible well, film from a filmmaking I, standpoint. I want to build on that aspect uh, that Kev brought up, because that was my um my biggest critique of it as soon as I came out of it is that it, it, it felt like it should have been a limited series. Yeah. Um, Because, and I just want to talk about the length, like a three and a half hour movie is asking a lot of, of an audience like that. That is a serious time commitment that when you are committing to going to the theater and, and buying in for that story, um, it, it's hard for me not to to look back on it after the fact and think like, did you make the best use of your time? Uh, and I, when we get into the spoilers, I'll start to talk about a, a few aspects of the of the overall story that I felt were a little bit underserved because of the amount of attention that was given to other aspects of the story. Um, and again, I'll hide this behind the spoiler uh, conversation, but I feel like. Because now we're so spoiled on prestige television that had Martin Scorsese been given more time to do the six hour version of this story, you know, but broke it up into one hour chunks. I think it would have allowed him to to even drill down further into some of the aspects of the story that I kind of wish were explored. Now, he decided to make it as a feature film. Of course, that's his decision. He has, of course, the flexibility uh, uh, and him being a master that if he says to a studio, it's going to be three and a half hours, they essentially say, "Okay, great, then deliver the three and a half hour uh, project as soon as you're finished with it um, and we will release it in that format. I give him, you know, all the credit in the world and I'm glad he got to release his his version of it. I just left it um, a little bit torn in that there was more that I wanted to know. So I would kind of advise people to read up on this before you go into it, because I there are a lot of characters and a lot of story elements that I think Scorsese does a good job of setting up big chunks of it. But then I think he speeds through other chunks of it. And this will make more sense when I'm able to get into the the spoiler aspect of it. So I, I, I came out of the film saying that I liked it, was never was never bored by it, you know, and and I think obviously from a technical standpoint, it's incredibly, incredibly well made. Obviously, it's Scorsese. I'm I'm one of those guys who kind of craps on DiCaprio every once in a while, like I, I don't love him, love him, you know, and, and and sometimes it's really hard for me to not see Leonardo DiCaprio like in in his performances that's why the fact that he got recognized for the Revenant I was really happy for because I I kind of don't see him in the Revenant in the in Wolf of Wall Street he's he's just Leo he does something in this movie though that is so incredibly different um in that he's he's not I, I don't it's know it's, call, it's, the, it's, the, it's the mouth like it, well, like no, no, it's no. literally I'm talking the, about mouth. the character like is calling the character a loser too much I mean, he's he's kind of being manipulated by DiCaprio, by um, Robert De Niro's character. So I don't I don't I mean, it's like it's maybe I, a harsher I, word, but I get to yeah, what I think. You're, dim is the adjective saying? that I dim would is, use. Yeah. Oh, dim OK. Kind of OK. Guy. 
Okay, yeah. Um, and you don't see him playing that. You know, normally he's the authoritative, yeah. you know, the biggest I mean, guy in a, the room. There's a moment where his character literally has to say, I'm smart. I'm 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 smart. And anytime yeah. you have to say that, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're usually not. And so I so I loved that. I loved seeing him explore a, an aspect of of his character that, that I don't normally get a chance to see. and was really fascinated by how that went. Um, but ultimately, when I look at the film as a whole and I'll describe a little bit more when we get into the spoilers, I'm in the liked it, didn't love it camp. And I've, I've said this to the guys in the text thread since like. When I can, when when Oppenheimer finished, and I don't want to keep using Oppenheimer as the as the benchmark to compare it to, but it is the long you know Oscar contender from another master <laughs> that was released this year. When Oppenheimer ended, I was like, "Damn, I want to see that again now. Play it, you know, play it. I'll sit here." Um, and when Flowers uh, Killers of the Flower Moon ended, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm glad I saw it, but I probably don't ever have to see it again." I had a very similar reaction to Silence. I thought Silence was magnificent while I was watching it. I have not been compelled to basically throw it on since. And I think that's kind of the case with some of Scorsese's movies. I was probably the case with like multiple directors where I'm glad I saw it and I'm glad that he got the opportunity to make the, the version of the film that he wanted to see. But, you know, there's other sort of stone cold masterpieces that I could put on a loop. And um, I don't think the flower moon is one of those. And and honestly, it's the length. That's that's a big part of the reason. Uh, Jakey, when you weighed in on it, you thought it would make your top 10 is it still something that you think oh, it would yeah. make your top 10? yeah i mean yeah. It, it's it's top five i i really oh, wow. did love okay. this film uh, sean one of the things i told you was that uh when it comes to and i hate that we have these conversations and then immediately go to okay whatever it's oscar chances but it's just that time of year it's just the conversations that we have um it's the business we work in I mean, it, it is, just it is. is. Yeah. yeah and here's the thing is that lily gladstone is is so unbelievably good uh, but what I've been telling people is that she doesn't really have what I call that Oscar moment, you know, where you go, oh, that's the clip that they're going to show at the Oscars. But it's still a testament to her performance in that the sort of moments that other people would have that would be the scene chewy, the yelling, the screaming, the crying, the clawing at the walls like she experiences those things, mm-hmm. but she's got to keep it inside. So I'm picturing Sort of the quote unquote, the cliche Oscar moment that look, I love a good scene, chewy Oscar moment. I don't mean to call them close. Like I, I love those moments, but that's not who her character is. That's not how her character behaved. I mean, even when we meet her, you can tell when she meets Ernest, the character played by DiCaprio, that there's you can the wheels are turning like who she's going, who is this guy? You know, he, he offers to give her a ride and he instantly kind of starts flirting with her and you can tell she doesn't trust a lot of people and rightfully so. So from that moment, you can already tell that her performance is, is hidden behind layers of, of protection, which I feel like in a way almost makes it harder because I feel that yelling and screaming and crying and clawing and dis. I feel the Oscar moment without getting to see mm-hmm. it. And so I hope that other people see that in her performance. Um, well, going, going back to the length, I want to touch on some of the things you guys touched on. I, 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 I've been sort of coupling this by saying, yes, it feels like a three and a half hour movie. It does. There isn't a minute that I would cut though. It's not one of those situations where I go, yeah, somewhere in there is a really tight, great two and a half hour. No, like this movie needs to be two and a half. In fact, what but I do you agree, it needs more. Would, so you this, would you argue it needs more? Yeah, you I, can I shift, stay. You can shift I, things. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah, sure, FBI, absolutely. Would this be? I yeah. mean, but like, 
there are so many movies that we could watch and go, yeah, man, I really would like, I would have loved to see the creator as a miniseries. That would have been fantastic. Like, I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I did like, but I, you know, I think it's one of those things where, and we talk about this a lot, you got to judge it for what it is, you know? And, yeah. and, and when you look at it from like, it's based on the book, but it is also so wildly different from the book. I mean, it, it covers a lot of the things that happen in the book, but you know, as you guys know, the book is from the perspective of the FBI comes to town. It's really, it's from Jesse Plemons. Is it really? Who, no who kidding. DiCaprio oh, was originally going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really had to go learn a lot more. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, conversation about sort of making the, the point of view DiCaprio. And, and was he given too much sympathy? But Scorsese has said that whenever he met with uh, the Osage tribe, that one of the points that they needed to make sure that he was aware of was... He loved her mm-hmm. like he he did this guy who did these terrible things. They were in love, which to me makes the story all the more interesting. I don't think it makes it sympathetic. It adds this really great moral quandary of that he's this course as he's known for of then how could you do this? Like if mm-hmm. like it would be so much easier to understand if he were more like De Niro's character and just doing this for the head rights, just doing this for the money. But the fact that, and I really did start to feel like, oh, because I kept, even though, you know, and, and Kevin talks a lot about this, knowing what something's going to happen, but hoping it turns out differently. Even though I knew what the end of this story was, there's a part of me that just goes, dude, wise up, man. Like you do, you do love this woman. Like do mm-hmm. the right, but like that, doesn't that make it all the more interesting that like I was convinced of their love. Like I do believe he actually did love his life and loved her and loved the family that they created, which then begs that big, massive, interesting question that it does take three and a half hours to answer, which is then how the hell do you do something like this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, right, but to you know, Sean's it's, point, though, I, I just want to just add to what you're saying, like the manipulation of the De Niro characters. It's exactly what what Jake is saying. That's why and that's why it's interesting, because DiCaprio Throughout the film, and, for, and this is not a spoiler, but the, the basic premise of the story is he goes to, you know, work for his uncle and the, his uncle clearly has some type of like gangster lifestyle that he that he's dealing with. Um, and you the way Scorsese, at least, Jake, I think you agree the way Scorsese directs this. DiCaprio is kind of like a fish out of water, kind of enters this story, doesn't necessarily know the world he's entering. Mm-hmm. Right. And. And De Niro is just slowly peeling the layers away and manipulating him in a way that yeah. that drives him. But the things that DiCaprio does are yeah. absolutely oh, they're unforgivable, rep- unforgivable. Yeah. yeah. But, but Sean, really quick, Sean, you, 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 you said something that I thought was really interesting, which I and this the, the, my following statement, because, Sean, you said something about like, oh, yeah, you know, is it very well made as as Scorsese movies are. Sure. Um, but like, and this is going to s- sound absolutely ridiculous, but like there is a degree that sometimes I just feel like we sleep on the greatness of Scorsese because he is so consistently great. It's like I think of it as like, yeah, or, you know, or even yeah. we talked, you know, we've talked in, in weeks past about like someone like Tom Hanks and why Tom Hanks doesn't yeah. get Oscar nominations is because he's always great. I think of it as like the equivalent of like um, a single nail versus a bed of nails, like a single nail 
you step on it, it goes through your foot, it hurts really bad, it's just one single nail. But a bed of nails, you can lay your entire body on and just lay on. And I think because Scorsese's filmography is nothing but a masterpiece after masterpiece, an entire bed of nail of, of just incredible films, that it's just, we forget that it's even there. It doesn't have as much of an impact as opposed to if like a new filmmaker made this exact film, we'd all be losing our shit. Jake, when, you, when you write the career retrospective on Scorsese, I want you to call it a bed of nails. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but like, does that no, make sense? Good. It like, makes sense. It makes sense. Like, it's just it's, a very it, sharp it, But analogy. it's just like, like everything about this film is at an 11. Like, like yeah. the, I think the, the writing, like Eric, like Eric Roth and Scorsese's screenplay is phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's some of De Niro's yeah. best work in 30 years. It's, I think it's one of De, DiCaprio's best performances. We were just given, like we were just shown a newcomer who has a chance to be like an all time great with Lily Gladstone, like Scorsese. 80 years old directing this thing like he's 20 years old like everything about this film is fucking top notch like it's just and i feel like it's just we're gonna just sleep on it it's just it's just just because oh that's what we expect out of scorsese you 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 start delivering the impossible and it becomes part of your job description well let me let me push back on that slightly from this this aspect it's not like Scorsese's going to forget how to make a good movie you sure. know like it's to the point where we've seen him make enough Right. outstanding movies that even if dudes on autopilot it's largely going to be better than than sure. other right. people who are given like it he a kind shot. of um was it the gq article where he kind of slighted shutter island and is like dude like the movies that you slight in your career are better than most directors best work sure but i didn't i didn't come out of flower moon blown away by his camera work you know hmm. or like you didn't get a copa you know, unbroken shot where you came out of it and you were just like, like, I thought the way that he expanded his lens to capture Oklahoma, because I think mm-hmm. this is a, a New York native who gets turned loose in one of the most beautiful, you know, open areas of our country. I thought his production value to create the historical aspects of it. Like, I got to I got to push back on that for a second. The silhouette okay. of the fire. Oh. Reminded me, reminded me of Raiders of the incredible. Lost Ark. Yeah. Oh, okay. or, them, or the two cars. It's in the trailer. Yeah. The shot of the two cars in the wheat. I, I kind of want to I, I would love to know if Scorsese when 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 him and Rodrigo, if we get Rodrigo Prieto on the show, when they were framing the shot of the silhouette of the fire, if they thought of Raiders, because it looked like the shot. Oh, you're where, talking like, about that wavy. Is it the wavy kind of? Yeah, it's like it's it's like they're like uh, almost shadow yeah. characters and it's like yeah, and yeah, the yeah. fire is burning. Yeah. It reminded me of the shot in Raiders when when he remember, yeah, it's like working, yeah. working through silhouettes. But I'm glad you mentioned that. I kind of forgot about that. While that shot was happening, I literally thought, I don't know if I've ever seen the shot yeah like true like i was like i don't know if i've ever seen the shot and this is incredible Wild. like this is incredible yeah yeah well, well, here's shot. it's in the trailer but the shot of um when the when the oil blew and the slow oh, motion the of the of the native americans dancing yes, in the in yeah. the falling like i was just like, like, like we're talking Jesus. opening five minutes we're talking that that shot's in the opening five minutes right i mean arguably and I was like, are we going to get this for the rest of the three hours? And, and it turns out we didn't. It became See, a little bit more pedestrian. Okay, okay. There's a I couple back on that. I, 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 I got to push back on, back on that. On the, yeah, Prieto, dude, there's a one in this movie. It, it, it might have been just so subtle. Like it, it might have just blown by. But like there's a one and this is not a spoiler at all. But there's a character who wakes up on a porch and walks into a house and you follow the. Ca- mm. I mean, it's an incredible. Yeah, there's your, there's your That's a hell of a wonder. Now, but let me. I also want to give a the shout out to the cr- the crane shots, though, man. Like when DiCaprio arrives, mm. 
and they push in on him and then oh, he's I'm getting saying, all the yeah. train. It's really cool some, stuff. But like, remember when we saw the, the first I saw the trailer for West Side Story and there was the shot of oh. the shadows of the sharks and yeah. the jets combining. And it's just Spielberg yeah. essentially dropping it on the desk and saying, like, this is no, what I he, can do. He gave me a really great answer about the th- the thematic of why of he does. He like, he's, sure. he's like, he's like, of it's a really cool shot, of course. But like thematically, the characters are all coming together on an even playing field and you right. and you just see their shadows. It's cool. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's I the, the way I want to push back on that is I think that's clearly a different film. But I think that the lack of the flashiness that you're talking about is a part of the language that the film establishes. And I Could don't be. want to get to maybe this is better for spoilers just because I don't know how many people want to know details. But very early on, there's a line that to me establishes the language of the film and it's when De Niro is talking about don't talk so much around the mm. Osage. He said they no. made they don't talk much, but it doesn't mean they don't know everything that's going on. And in that moment, he explains the people, but he very much explains Gladstone's character. And to me, while the movie is not told from Gladstone's uh, point of view, it is told through her perspective and that we mm-hmm. are very silently and very still watching what is happening. And there's a lot of free space that you guys are talking about that reflects her character sitting in silence when someone says something and thinking that through. And to me, I think that's reflected in the sort of pulled back, simple, still yeah. style of this. Interesting. Okay. I just got, I, I just got that. chills because Gabe kind of hit on something like my hair, my arms is standing up a little bit. Um, so when you're dealing with these, these sequences, as Gabe's talking about uh, of the, of the stillness and the silence with Lily Gladstone's character, What's fascinating about sitting in those moments, like there, there are scenes where characters pass away uh, or something happens to a character and we'll just sit in silence during a moment and you're breathing with the characters. And I think what's interesting about it is there were so many times where I wanted to jump into the screen and help Lily's character and help people who were being wronged like there was so like and i think scorsese and I, 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 I can't say that he intended this but there is almost a way for the audience to kind of go like you kind of want to shout at them at the characters on screen and say don't do this don't do that why are you doing this why are you why aren't we helping like lily's character like i won't go into spoilers but like man there's just so many times i want to jump in the screen and just help her and say something to somebody and i think that's what the key to the great filmmaking is is that He's making you think that you somehow can jump in there and change this story. Mm. And he's giving that silence. And I think this is more of like, no, no, no. Let me put you in this. And then I want you to sit here and feel every aspect of this moment. And I think that's where the length is justified. That's to your, why. To your, I, yeah, yeah. To your point, there is there is a um, a plot point without getting away that um, a, a murder has to be committed a certain way. Right. Right. And and it doesn't. And a tighter film would go from it not being committed the way it was supposed to to De Niro finding out and being super pissed. And in a way, because there is that time and because a little time passes before it even becomes an issue, what I think is probably about 15, 20 minutes later, it almost lulls you into a sense of like ease, like, okay, like not ease, because obviously you don't want them to get away with it. But like you sort of forget in the same right. way that DiCaprio's character has forgotten. DiCaprio's character forgot that it was even a thing. And then all of a sudden De Niro pulls up and he's 
spitfire yeah. pissed about this thing that happened a while back and you're like oh my god like like in the same way that DiCaprio was sort of jarled like oh my god like I, I forgot that that was even a thing I forgot that was even an issue and like oh, you know you get kind of like puts you in that same like it's an ebb and flow of anxiety mm. and relaxation anxiety relaxation I I, wow. I thought honestly I, I for a three and a half hour I know people scoff at when a long film gets editing nominations but I think it's all the more <laughs> impressive for a three and a half hour film to because here's the thing i think there's a difference between it feels three and a half hours versus it's slow it's not slow no, it's and not i'm slow. i was i was never bored you so just feel the present, yeah. you just feel the link yeah, yeah. Um, well, like it's a hard movie to watch in a lot of it ways. is, like, it that's, is. That's, that's where it comes from because it's only yeah. 14 minutes longer than avatar the way of water but the difference being really that yeah because avatar way of water was like 315 or it was like wow. it was like it was a little bit over talk about, um, talk about should have been a miniseries so but but like you know because that movie was so like you know big explosions yeah. loud and everything like yeah like that's it didn't feel that way it's you were right. you were a movie like this was never going to fly by fast it just wasn't as you can tell it's difficult for us to talk about flower moon without um getting into specifics um and yeah. so let's throw it to a real quick break and then come back on the other side where we can do a full-on spoiler segment for people to come back and listen to after you have seen the entirety of killer of the flower moon This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, fair warning. You are now in the spoiler-filled conversation section of Killers of the Flower Moon, where we're going to get into some specifics um, about the film. And so hopefully you've seen it if you're listening at this point. Jake, you wanted to get into uh, an aspect of the movie that we can talk about in depth now. 
For sure. And I I think, you know, in regards to talking about the length and whether or not it feels wrong, I think it's going to come down to how people feel about the last half hour. Okay. Because the last last half hour, correct me, correct me if you think I'm wrong, uh, is I think pretty wildly different than the rest of the movie because it basically involves uh, DiCaprio being caught, the investigation that sort of starts surrounding it, the trial of whether or not the FBI, the, the newly established FBI can sway uh, DiCaprio uh, Ernest into uh, testifying against his uncle uh, William K Hale, and that's that's a pretty wildly different film than the previous three hours that we've been given. It almost, to a certain degree, feels like an epilogue. It kind of like if 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 you know if you were in this sounds weird to read the book of this film. That sounds like what would be kind of like the hey here's kind of how it all sort of wrapped up at the end. Sure, um, yeah, and I think that you know. I, I loved that. I liked that part of it. I liked that investigation part of it. I'm glad that it, it made me more appreciative that that wasn't the entirety of the film, that the, the whole film wasn't the, you know, this guy in the white hat showing up to town and doing the investigation because. Because what would that have been? Would that have just been like flashbacks from the stand? Like, like this is what happened. And then like, I, they, yeah, I guess or they, he started, or, you know, like a three hour version of, you know, the, the scene with Jesse Plemons and DiCaprio on the porch when he was like, Oh, you know, what do you, you know, what, what do you, what do you hear? Also, we didn't talk about this in spoiler free. Jesse Plemons doesn't miss. He was so great. Oh, but he was, so under, he was I, underutilized though. I wanted more of that character. That's a lot well, of okay, where, but, that's but a lot of where I agree with Sean on, I wish I had more and potentially make it a series is because I would have loved to live with the yeah. FBI story. Longer. Well, and let me, but, uh, let me take it from the way that Jake just framed it because you say that the, that last 30 minutes feels like an epilogue, but to me it, it was, it's the inevitable second half of the story. Like if we spend all this time going through these murders and setting up why the murders happened and even taking the time, the three hours to live in the ramifications of these murders, on the Osage community and especially Molly specifically, because you feel the weight of every death, the way Kevin was talking about the way uh, that the pain of each of those deaths, what you, what you kind of wait for is the second half of the, of the story, which is someone having to pay for it, right? Like the, there should be some justice. There should be some uh, retribution. And in this case, it comes through the FBI coming in and investigating. And I felt that that aspect of it was so rushed because the previous bit got so much attention and so much room to breathe. And that's why I was saying if this movie, if the story itself were six hours, I hate to keep harping on that. You could give the second half, the the criminal aspect of it, the, the trial aspect of it, as much attention as the previous part got. Or if you're going to tell it in one sitting shorten one and give the other one a little bit more. I, I don't think it's balanced. And and personally, I just wanted it to be a little bit more balanced because I did find the the court case and the the way that the FBI was trying these new interrogation tactics and and what you saw because we're in spoilers now, they 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 and they do this with all these gangster cases. You get a low level guy and he rats out the next level up and then you get that level person to, to rat out. And they finally get to the point where they have to where Ernest is trapped. You know, he essentially has to go on the record to get the uncle because they're going after the uncle. That pace, the pacing of that felt like I was like, what you got to slow like what's going on here? Because so much of it was breathing in the beginning. And that's I thought a lot of that stuff was was too quick. I, I actually agree with that. I mean, I think 
I think that I love the the FBI aspect of the story, but that needed to breathe. Like everything else was able to breathe, but that was very fast. And again, but a lot and a lot happens in that moment, too. And, and since we're since we're in spoilers, you know, this is this is also the part of the film where DiCaprio is slowly killing Lily Gladstone's character um, with the insulin injections mixed with whatever poison that was that was slowing her down. Um, and that goes back to my statement earlier about Lily's face and her reactions. And as she gets more and more towards death, um, just the the life being sucked out of that face. Like if you go back to the beginning when DiCaprio picks her up for the first time, and he says that joke about being like devilish, de- devilishly handsome or whatever. And she laughs like she was so full of life at that point, but also skeptical about what was going on around her and like who was coming into, you know, I mean, to essentially take asking, the money. Do you want to come in for supper? Like you just felt like right. it probably took so much for her to get there to, right. to bring yeah. herself to a point of trust where she said, right. OK, all right, I'm going to invite and, this guy in, which makes it even more heartbreaking, you know, that he was administering this 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 poison to her that was slowly killing her. But like there was this weird cut at one point where we cut to the FBI like in a field in, a, in their cars and they're circled around and they're waiting for something. They look off in the corner and they see a fire. And that, I remember that edit. I was like, like, how did they even get out there? I, I, I know it's an, an edit in a film, but like everything just felt like it was like at towards the end was just being pushed very quickly to get to the narrative, to get to that court Let's case. Let's not to even get talk to about the, Molly going to Washington, D.C. and meeting the president right, and, in like a five minutes. I was going to say the most truncated probably part of the story. <laughs> and that's the scene that that theoretically would have been the the bridge that eventually got the FBI there, right? right. Because, I mean, yes. like it's probably the most important, one of the most important narrative part. And, and I, I thought it was interesting that Scorsese didn't show the president's face, it was from behind. I actually thought that was a really interesting yeah, it's and a, very well-made choice. I like choice. when people make that choice just because it's always, Same. you have to cast somebody, you out. then you have yeah. to make, uh, and then it becomes, Take, uh, yeah, I think about out. it. And it's, yeah. it's so quick. And and I, you're right, though, that moment when she, but maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the reason why Scorsese did that scene so quickly is because that's probably how it happened. Like, maybe. She, again, I don't, I don't know the reality there's, of it, but a, maybe. There's a picture. Maybe, Maybe it was so. It really? but maybe it, oh, interesting. But, may, but maybe it was such a minimal moment in terms of time frame. Maybe it was that quick. Maybe she literally sure, went yeah. up, yeah. said that to him, and then boom, and then and then the FBI shows up. It's, it's still a, it's later. still done very it's quickly quick, within though. the movie. Yeah. yeah, regardless of the interaction itself, like he could have yeah. made that a, a, a sequence of of her journey well, there, and and, and yeah, yeah. I, I would like to have seen. Yeah, that you're right. Like like it, it, it almost felt like at first when they cut to that scene, I'm like, wait, is she in DC? Oh, oh, she's with the president. And it took me a second to like uh, uh to to think about it. But it's like you're right. Like Sean, like now that I'm thinking about it more, you're right. It's like the the first third of the or first, you know, two thirds of the film, it breathes beautifully, like at the stillness and just sitting in it. And then you're right. It just kind of just like ramps up three quarters of but, the film. Really, see, it's that, quite that's, that's interesting because I feel like it almost kind of reminded me of like the last 30 minutes of Goodfellas is him becoming this like paranoid yeah. drug addict where, you but know, Goodfellas already and, has a pacing to it, though. It already has sure. like a quick, a, a, a fascinating like musicality, like not that this no, one does. This it, is but. this is what I was saying to you guys is is one of the things about Scorsese with, that I've kind of realized after watching this movie is with with Goodfellas, with Casino to a certain extent, with Wolf, definitely. Um, and with this movie, I feel like Scorsese is he's just as a storyteller, not inherently interested in the law enforcement aspect mm. 
that that brings down the people who he's more interested in spending time with, sure. which is this gangster element, you know, this mm. and, and these people who are doing morally horrific things and then have to be conflicted by it. He wants to tell that side of the story. He's the uh, anti Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> the, Sean wanted more Sasha Baron Cohen and Hugo. He really wanted a guy working at the train station being like, you well, can't like, live here. If, if Scorsese did the untouchables, you know, we would have gotten like two scenes with Sean Connery, essentially. <laughs> and it would have just been De Niro the entire time with a baseball bat, which again is, if that's okay. If you want to make that choice, it just, I, it never struck me until watching this how much I realized that he rushes through the aspects of, oh, you're getting caught or your criminal aspect mm. is falling. And and in Wolf, it bothered me in Wolf. There's the exact moment when DiCaprio meets uh, Kyle Chandler on the on the boat mm. and essentially, you know, taunts him, you know, and says like, and I thought at that point that the movie was going to shift perspective and follow Kyle Chandler and show you how how he brought down Jordan Belfort, and and it didn't. It continued to follow DiCaprio and 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 keep going over all the excess that that Jordan was <clears throat> living through, and um, and so when when the FBI kind of got sidelined uh, in this movie, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. As a storyteller, Scorsese he's just he doesn't seem to be interested in that. And, and and it's an interesting point, and I hadn't really thought about it. In Wolf, it didn't bother me. It didn't really bother me in Goodfellas either. I thought Goodfellas it made sense. Here was the first time I I, I can actually see that point. But hmm. also, that's yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I, I it, while we're having this discussion, yeah, I, I would rather I would like to have seen more perspective from the Osage, Molly, and the FBI. Hmm. I think those perspectives were a little Molly. Molly's character does have a lot of emotional screen time and very important aspects to it more so than the FBI does. Um, but I still wanted more from both oh, Jake, those her, sides. Uh, her I didn't Oscar more. clip to me seems when the house blows up and DiCaprio stands at the top of the stairs and they're mm -hmm. all in the basement and he has to basically indicate to her that her sister has been killed and she has that yeah. wailing. Like, I kind of think that's what they're going to yeah, show. Yeah, that's a big moment. I, I, big I moment. wanted to say what we're talking about, you know, we talk about the length and I sent this to you guys as soon as I got out. Um, but I think that, you know, there's there's movies with really good exposition where you're like, yeah, it flowed. It felt natural and it got me to the point that we needed to get to to get to. And it set the pace. It lets you pick up the pace when you can just say this is happening and this is why. And then there's bad exposition that says this is happening. And this is why. And it feels right. like I, I'm doing it that way. You know, right. um, I mentioned that I think this movie earns its length by the fact that I've only seen it once. I think it is completely devoid of exposition. It, this movie, once there you, is one major it, exposition moment. That sure, really sure. Let me, let me, yeah, let me yeah. finish my point, though. This goes back to what I was saying about how I think it's not told from uh, uh, Molly's point of view, but it is told through her perspective. And I feel like that lack of exposition is very much telling you in the mm. audience, pay attention. This guy shows up and you go, is that is he a distant relative? Is he going to mess up the is he going to stake a claim? Is this or is he an FBI? Oh, he's with the FBI. Like you're sitting there and it's just somebody's here and the camera's going to follow him more than you think. So mm -hmm. pay attention. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen. Are they or aren't they? Is there a conspiracy? Like it just lets stuff happen and you really have to just pay attention yep. and, and let it unfold. And I thought that was and, and that is my concern um, for people who do choose to wait and watch it at home, you know, inevitably yeah. over, the, you know, watching at home over the course of three and a half hours, you know, people are going to do what a lot of us do, which is you pick up your phone and it's not, a, it's not a, 
pick up your phone. No. But I, I was I was grateful to be in mm-hmm. a Dolby theater where people were forced to put their phone down for three and a half, as tough as it was yep. for three and a half hours and just and just kind of focus. So here's what I would say is, is that if you're in a city, if you're in a market, I'd like to think it's going to be playing near you. It's his widest theatrical release of his career, hopefully. But if you don't have the chance to get out there and see it and you, you do wait for for streaming, treat it like a theatrical experience, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, if you can, Um uh, you know, I, I saw a meme one time that's so true, which is this like, does the movie not make sense or were you on your phone? <laughs> and, and that's sort of the that a, a point someone brought up on Twitter that I love because I, don't forget, this is a two hundred million dollar movie. And honestly, I do think it looks like a two hundred million dollar movie. Yeah. Um, someone said uh, when needed to when to when making his passion project, when making the last temptation of Christ. Uh, Scorsese can squeeze the hell out of every penny of like $4 million. But when Apple gives him $200 million, he is spending every freaking <laughs> dollar of that. And he got every, there is no question of watching that movie and asking where did 200 million. Like yeah, sometimes you, yeah. you know, you see like the big superhero movies and you go, I like, really that cost 300 yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you well, spent cast $200 million. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Gabe, what, uh, Gabe, what were you gonna? Add? Oh, sorry, Kev. I know Gabe wanted. Oh, to like, uh, there's just a couple things I wanted to to point out before we we close out that I wanted to ask you guys about. But go ahead. Gabe. I was just gonna add to your exposition thing, unless sure. that's where you're going again. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I, mean, I just didn't want. I wanted to mention this because we used to talk about exposition a lot in our in our threads, and I, I jokingly make fun of the MCU, uh, the television series, and how the exposition on those shows is just. <laughs> It's like like they're over explaining the the, the storylines that we already know from movies just in case audiences had forgotten right. them or whatever. And I just find that to be bad storytelling um, there. And Gabe's 100 percent right. What's cool about this film is it, it is it, it it's fully understanding that the audience is smart and like to a point where the way the camera moves, like he'll be we'll be in a scene and Rodrigo Prieto will like hand the camera real quick to like change your perspective on the view. And, and it's because of like, you're it's because almost like you're trying to understand where you are. You, you are DiCaprio's character, like essentially in a way, like you, you come into this story and you're learning through him. I, I would argue is, is kind of like the way Scorsese has designed it, but there's a great exposition scene to Gabe's point where exposition is done right. And when he gets there, his uncle gives him the books to read about the Osage and learning about it. Oh, right, right, right. And, yeah. Di- and DiCaprio reads these books narration wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of like, Dune. Right. And that's kind of where um, was that the, the first trailer that came out for this, where he's like, can you see the wolves oh. in this picture? And mm. I always love the way that trailer used that. Yeah. Um, but in the way it's done in the movie, it's part of the history lesson he's learning. So basically what's cool about that moment is we're learning the Osage history while he's learning the Osage mm-hmm. history, but it makes perfect sense in the context of the world. We're not just being told that. And I always think and he's, not, and he's not sitting in a chair saying it. He's it's over a montage of the Correct. story still unfolding around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Again, he's a master. We don't have to explain that, but but it's so good. <laughs> but I do. I do feel to Gabe's point. It is a bigger picture thing that you need to trust your audience. Like when Plemons shows up, we don't have to state on screen. Like, remember in Lincoln, he kept like saying on the screen with it would be like captions of who yeah. the person was. And mm. I was my like, favorite the, use of that is like actually Scorsese. Lesson. Whenever remember in the Irishman, whenever it would like label each person, but then tell you how they died. That's funny. <laughs> remember because it would be like shot yeah. in the that's head six funny. times, and yeah, I loved that. I, that's yeah, a good that's smart. I did yeah. want to mention before because we also want to talk about the ending. Uh, one note I just wanted to, I just feel like I have to say, because I thought it was brilliant again, who needs to explain Scorsese as a master. But I think one thing that one way this movie would have been very different if a younger 
or um, less experienced filmmaker had made it is they I think they would have gotten bogged down in the in the just how melancholic and awful the story is because it is and and, and the story doesn't shy away from it. I mean, you leave this feeling, oh my gosh, like just yeah, it's, it's one terrible. it's one terrible yeah. thing happening happening after another. Awful. But the masterful thing that I think Scorsese says he does because he understands what he's doing to his audience in the moment in the beginning of the film. Uh, it's more about the love story and he finds ways to make you think that maybe, maybe DiCaprio's going to change and save the day and maybe her love will win and that'll be how this resolves. And then later when it gets uh, uh, after that's kind of more complicated, he's able to find humor. Like he has that moment where the guy walks in and, and DiCaprio goes, can I talk to this man alone for a while? Like <laughs> yeah, 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 I was yeah. like, but oh, it's, yeah. it's it's very funny. You needed yeah. it because it's just like, yeah. oh my god, this is awful, yeah. and I it's nothing but awful. Or when he's yeah. getting arrested and he's like, uh, I'm gonna walk away here, go home, with my son, and go say yeah. hi to my family. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I think but, a younger yeah. filmmaker would have just said, yeah, this is a serious story, and I want you to leave this being as intense as possible. I think Scorsese gets like, no, you'll feel how serious it is, but I'm gonna bring you back up so that I could bring you back down. And and you I know thought what's that really funny? Great when when DiCaprio gets time to meet with that guy. I assumed that the FBI agents were listening in. Oh, the whole time. I was waiting for that cut to the other side where they're just sitting there. Yeah. Apparently, it was so innocent back then that the FBI was like, yeah, go talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what yeah, could you two also like, possibly be talking about? <laughs> yeah. Also, we, we got we to bring funny. up the violence, by the way. And what's what's interesting about the way Scorsese does violence, and, and he doesn't shy away from it, obviously. You know, you know, look at Taxi Driver and things like that. What's shocking about this film is how the violence just happens like completely out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like he like like he'll have a scene where characters are just walking and all of a sudden yeah. the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him. Like, it's emotionless, which is, I think, right. is the, pro the the what these killers are is what exactly. But and the woman feel... who got shot in the chest by oh, her baby. Oh. That, oh. That's when I, I and that one, I think it happened. There were probably like 30 murders prior to that one. And by that one, I was kind of like, it's beyond desensitized. I just I don't know how much more I can take. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, I'm watching also, people just get murdered on screen. I, like It's really I think rough. He, I think he did it that way because it was it, it got to a point where so many people were being killed to your point, kind of uh, that it was almost as if like it meant nothing to the person who was killing them. They right. were just like, they were, and I think the way Scorsese, like uh, going back to what Gabe said just now, if a younger filmmaker had approached this, I think that you would, they would have played with maybe the intensity of building up a moment like that or showing the violence in a different way. He just shows it as the way he shows the violence in this film is the way it would happen in real life. You would just be like looking at, the world and all of a sudden something horrible would happen in front of you. And I think the it's it's the it's the non buildup of it and the shocking nature of the way it just happens nonchalantly that made it so horrifying. Like it like you gasp when someone gets killed because it's not that, you know, the violence itself and, and the murder itself is already horrifying enough, but it's the way it happens. Well, and it's, it gets it's, easier it's, it's, for it's, for DiCaprio's character to just go to the bad element of town and and find somebody to say like hey right. i need this done yeah. get it done it's, like it becomes it, it, it kind of reminded me of like a like a gambling addict in a casino he just keeps thinking okay well if i just double down here then i like i'm in the right. hole but if i just put 200 you know that's sort of how he kind of felt like with him in violence he became so desensitized to it and he thought okay if i just if i just kill these two more people 
then I can get out of it. Then I'll be out of this. And, I'll get out. and it just kept getting worse. He kept digging himself into a hole more and more. Before we wrap up, I would like to discuss what is, I guess, what? The last 90 seconds of the film, which is basically sort of an onstage uh, radio show. Uh, a teleplay, depicting, right? Teleplay, exactly. Sort of depicting um, what happened. And and what I love about that, I think it, I think it's going to throw off a, little pe- a, a lot of people. Um but I think the last line that is read by Martin Scorsese, um, so strange. In, in which I love, oh, I love it. I, did, I, 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 I did, a, I did a rewatch of a lot of his movies. He's in a lot more of his movies yeah. than we than we. Did think you he is. did you hear Scorsese's voice in the middle of the film? Oh, where is he in the middle? Oh, so oh, I don't know why I didn't bring this up earlier. In the middle of Killers of the Flower Moon, you hear Scorsese's voice off camera. Oh wait, yeah, he's the whenever they go visit, visit the president, and that uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I think that implies. Really? That that the entire film was being told through that teleplay. I think yeah, that's one of those like I mean, yeah. it doesn't make a difference in the yeah. story, but it's like maybe. maybe. And his voice. Yeah. What I like about it is we just saw this massive, heartbreaking, just the kind of story where you you look at America's history and go, how the hell could this happen? And then very similar to. How I felt when I learned about Tulsa only through Watchmen, the series, where you just sort of go, how how the hell do I not know this? How is this mm-hmm. not taught in in every uh, you know American history class uh, you know in this country? And when you saw just how this tragedy was resu- was reduced to a a stage radio production of whistles mm-hmm. and bells and sound effects and things that made people laugh which is a bit and, of self-awareness of what the movie is itself oh exactly mm-hmm. and then yeah. it, and then the last line uh which is scorsese reading the obituary uh for mm-hmm. molly in which he says uh in the obituary it listed x y and z about her the murders were never mentioned right and that's how the movie ends and you just go that's the Holy point of the movie. Shit. That's it. exactly. So I actually loved that it kind of just said, like, because you're probably at, you should be asking yourself, how do I not know this story? Mm-hmm. And to me, that last 90 seconds tells you why. It goes, because this is how the story was told to people. Mm-hmm. It was reduced down, it was watered down. And even in the the concrete, like, you know, legacy of someone's obituary. One of the most important thing that happened to them wasn't mentioned. Wasn't even mentioned. That's yeah. how you don't know this story. Yeah. Cut to black. Like yeah. I thought that was phenomenal. I'm sure this is how you guys felt about it. That last shot when we're above. Yeah. And it's just mm. like, it, it, mm. what a beauty was, was that present day? Oh, that shot is it felt, magnificent. It felt like yeah. the end of, uh, you know how like Schindler's list ends and it's them. And like, the, it felt like a similar, yeah. like yes. modern day. Yeah. memorial. Oh, type. that's great. I love that. Yeah, I was wondering if that was modern day because I, I kept wondering like is but he, I don't know, are we yeah. in present because it because it, it the the tone of that shot was it, different. It looked than the more. Rest of the film. It looked more Technicolor, like it looked more yes, it or brighter. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of you're right. I think this dude, you're so right about Schindler's List. That's the second. Uh, that's the second Spielberg thing that I'm curious now to ask Scorsese, the Raiders shot. And the silhouette with the fire, and mm. then I wonder if that was. So he's just ripping off Spielberg. Is what we're saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, uh, no, but 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 they are interesting to think about thematically. Um, you know, and this imagine is, De Niro um, as Indiana Jones now. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember um, Black Klansman and how that film went on in its time period, and then the oh, last yeah. 
yeah. part of the film was like modern day mm. news footage. Mm-hmm. And like, again, it's a, it's a powerful way to connect stories. it to you. Now. I think it's a powerful way to say, hey, this isn't make believe. This is this is a real story oh, we're trying to tell. When I saw Black Klansman and he cut to present day footage yeah. after yeah. telling a story that took place decades prior, I was like. I mean, well, he had remember it was, it was like footage like ripped right from the headlines. It was like it was like the Charlottesville riots that were happening. Uh, yeah, 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 it was. It was a that was a was wild very contemporary jump. stuff. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to what Jake was getting at the ending, it is a wild ending, and not. In, I think I texted you, Jake, right after, and I was like, I don't have anything to say bad about it that I dislike it. <laughs> I don't have anything to say like, wow, this is why I love it. It just is like so different and interesting, yeah. and I've been unpacking it and hearing you talk yeah. about it. Also, is helping me learn new things about it. It's, 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 um, it's a, it's one of those things where you were talking about, you know, giving him flowers, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, and that's something that someone at that level can do is they can give you that yeah. Babylon type ending of like, yeah. Whoa, I, Whoa, I wasn't expecting this. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, one of the, the, the downsides of, of our industry and what we do is that we so quickly have to give our reactions and our thoughts and our reviews so immediately yeah. after seeing. I mean, for, for those of you who don't know, a lot of times when we go to screenings and, and I get it, it's their job. It's, it's, I'm not faulting them, but there's oftentimes someone literally yes. waiting outside the door that needs to write down your reaction <laughs> yes, and send it to yeah. the studio. And uh, so on this th- one. Yeah, it happened on this one. Yeah. Uh, and so I was really, I'm really glad that we all had a couple of days, almost a week to sort of think about it. And, and, and I've really enjoyed this episode and really enjoy Cause you know, a lot of times we don't have time to get into it in the way that we do, or we haven't all four seen it in this way. And I was glad that we had a week to sort of let it sit with us. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like I wouldn't have been able to get out everything that I, and I, in the same way that I'm sure that whenever I, if I rewatch it and a year from now, I'd be able to give a different review than I'm able to give now. But I, I, this is not a movie that I hope anyone feels the need to give a knee jerk reaction online to the moment after you see it, like let yeah. it, let it sit for a second, you know, yeah, let it if, sink. It, if you guys are cool with it, I'm, I'm going again tomorrow night. Um, one of my best friends from college, um, really wanted to see it. And I, and I was like, let's go see it in IMAX. And I know it wasn't shot in the IMAX format, but sure. I'm I'm very interested to sit down knowing what I know, knowing how the pacing is, knowing how it goes, and then just taking a step back and going, okay, all right, let me just experience this without mm-hmm. like any type of like critis- critical mindset. I just want to watch it and just say really just close let- attention to the opening speech about the the pipe that they're burying. I yes. think that there's probably something really significant to that because yeah. they talk about I, I can't remember specifically, but I thought it was like we're burying this um, and it, it mm. has these stories and these lessons Is that, right? okay. that it's bringing with it. I'm sure there has to be some deeper significance to what I am curious about that. that scene. Uh, in the moment, I thought that was like a, this is just in the moment and not knowing being ignorant to, uh, to what that might be. I, I got the sense that it was like a way of um, mourning a body that you don't have, you know, like when they, they, they bury an empty yeah, casket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling I had for some reason. Yeah. But again, mm-hmm. that was four hours before the end of it. Yeah. So I, well, I don't know. That that I it, by digging that hole to bury it. I thought that's how they discovered the oil. Um, oh. just from, a, oh. from a narrative perspective. Oh. That is how it's edited. Yeah. I just thought those were like yeah. kind of smash cut. Yeah, I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really tie those sure. together. No, and there's a really. I mean, I'm you, you say how you don't. You're like you're not going to see it. Like I want, I, I want to watch it again. Like yeah, I, if true, I lived in yeah. DC, I'd go with Kevin tomorrow night. Like I want to yeah. see it now that I sort of know what it is, and I'm yeah. not sort of yeah. like watching it to see what the next scene's going to be. I want to. I do want to watch it again. And in that scene that Sean's talking about, I, 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 and then wanting, I want Jake to plug something, but at the at. There's a shot in that scene. We're talking earlier about cinematography. Cause I think there's a lot of great shots in this film. 
But there's the, the scene that Sean's referring to. Pay attention to the shot of the kids who are looking into that moment. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. f- it almost looks like a split diopter. It does. But yeah, I, th- it, I think. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a really interesting shot. It's t- on screen for a very short amount of time. But I remember being like, I remember looking at that shot going, but that is it, it was so disorienting. Mm-hmm. Like in, in it was almost as if like. I was there. I was the character's eyes and I was trying to peek through with the characters and because the way he split that was so interesting. Um, I, I hope we can get Rodrigo Prieto on the show because again, just to talk to him in general about the composition of working with Greta on Barbie and then shooting this film. I, I, it, it, but I think no... he shot this a long time ago. I think he shot sure, this a while but it's ago. Still, it's still wild. Like Matthew Libatique shot Venom 1 and uh, Stars Born in the sa- that came out in the same year. Like right. you're talking about like, it's just interesting to, to, to see a cinematographer flex those different muscles. Sure, um, one for Venom. You know, it, yeah, but Jake, you, you, you obviously have something that is very relevant to our discussion that you want to bring up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just just a shameless plug in that uh, I did have the opportunity to uh, to sit down with with Martin Scorsese for uh, uh, a brief moment, a handful of a handful of minutes and, and did my best to, to make the, the most of it. But I am particularly proud of, of the conversation that we had. I, I really try to go in and ask a question that could encompass uh a little bit of, of of his entire career. I wanted to ask a question that the that would yield an answer that he would talk about themes that I could use clips of both Flower Moon and Goodfellas and Taxi Driver and Casino if I if I really wanted to. So there are two different versions of the interview I'd like to plug um, on my YouTube channel is just the full raw tape of just from sit down to stand up, um, just just every, everything that I got there. There it is. Um, and then obviously just in terms of morning television, I really wanted to kind of spruce it up for 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 my show. And I edited it into a um, a five and a half minute package that Ooh. includes a lot of music and movie clips and lines and all that sort of stuff that I'm going to be posting uh, to my Instagram channel. By the time this is up, it will be there already. Um, the thumbnail will be Marty's big smiling face. Mm-hmm. So just just press your thumb on his his beautiful face. And uh, I, I, I'm very happy with how the how the piece turned out. And uh, but to be fair, when you have, you know, uh, Scorsese talking about sin and you get to use taxi driver clips and you get to mm. score it with uh, rolling stones give me That's shelter great question it, any any anything comes out and good i will in that regard. of course uh check the description i'll have links as long as that's up by the time that i'm publishing this yeah um, YouTube, youtube's the, already up and then the instagram will you, be up by the time okay perfect youtube will be up for sure if it's not up by the time i schedule this on thursday um check out jake's instagram i'll i'll tag i'll link your account at the very least well, and I want to throw in at this moment as well, too. Like we see everyone's comments when they say, like, you guys have to get Scorsese on the show, which I think <laughs> is hilarious. We? Don't we? Yeah, it's very sweet of you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously, of course, we fought to get him on and hopefully we get him on again at this point um, and was so thrilled that Jake got the opportunity to sit down with him. And it was one of those situations where Jake's question, um, which referenced the fact that Scorsese uh, has a line reading in in uh Mean Streets, um, mean which streets. turned in the beginning. 50, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's the first line in Mean Streets and the last line in Killers of the Flower Moon. 
And so when you told me that that was your question, like the, to use that as a, a, a the sandwiches boards of, you know, uh, this conversation of Scorsese's analysis of sin, I was so disgusted uh, at how good it was. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. And then he, you know, says this Scorsese and Scorsese says, I, I never even thought of it that way. And I mean, that's. Jake, you know, what if you're the reason he now he says, you know what? I'm never making another one. It's perfect. Ending. That's it. That's He's it. like perfect. End of my career. I'm never making another movie. That handsome kid from Chicago told me yeah. uh, I nailed it. And Jake's like, uh, I feel I, so conflicted. I, I talked to Sean before I went in and, and he was uh, making Sean was making a joke about, uh, you know, he's just going to talk about silence the whole time. You know, you're going to get five minutes on silence. And so my follow up to my sin question was of all of his characters, whose soul is he most worried about? And he said he gave me two. Uh, Ernest from uh, from Killers of the Flower Moon and then the priest from Silence. In the back of my mind, I thought, son of a bitch, Sean. God <laughs> now, I do find it interesting that, that of all the characters he's worried about going to hell, the priest from Silence is one of them. Um, but uh, but yeah, well, I, I just thought is just, that is it. Liam that's that's it. No, that's Andrew Garfield. Oh, Garfield's character. Yeah, okay. Rodriguez. Yeah. So go find Jake's uh, interview clips with Scorsese. They are available. Uh all the different places you can find them. Gabe will link to them and your call to action in the comments down below. Let Have us you know. Have you interviewed him before, Sean? Uh, no, I never got him. Huh. Never you should. Him. It's great. <laughs> it sounds he wonderful. really great. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. I hadn't considered uh, it. Uh, tell us your favorite Scorsese movie in the comments down below. Uh, and wait you until go. after you see um, The Killers of the Flower Moon, because this might be it. Um, in great. the meantime, I love that we got a chance to dedicate an entire episode to this to this film. It absolutely warrants it. Uh, Scorsese, obviously. And I still feel like there's I, more that we could talk about also. Oh, like, Easily. Almost an yeah. hour and something minutes. We, we still didn't we even cover it. Scratching the surface. Um, yeah. So and, and and maybe we will continue to talk about the film throughout the award season. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get ample opportunities to talk about that. Kevin keeps pitching uh, Rodrigo. We were trying to essentially effort him for the show. And we'll see if that comes together. We can talk about Barbie. Hashtag and if it happens. Hashtag if it happens. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV at Sean underscore O'Connell. At Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. We will talk to you guys very, very soon. Hey, your artists. Please. <laughs> We're running out of runway. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.